0: What's going on, everybody? This is Eric Elliot back here again with another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. This week we have on another guest. So after just listening to my voice last week, you're now going to hear the voice of someone else. And this week we have actually a really special guest. Uh, we have Mike Castelli. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Mike is the CEO and one of the founders of Nova Three Labs. Um, who I had on. I had on there. Uh, their, um, one of their other owners uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chrissy Barron, uh, we talked about the the uh, psychology and the mindset around training. Um, so if you didn't listen to that episode already, definitely go back and listen to that one because she dropped some, uh, some really good stuff in that episode. But in this episode with Mike, we talk and take things a lot differently we talk about how mike got into where he is today how we got into the supplement industry in general because as he mentions he didn't really want to 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 get started like he didn't want to actually get into supplements never saw saw himself as a business person selling things um actually now he's a firefighter in lethbridge alberta too so he's not that far from uh from where i live right now and uh but then mike tells tells how he got into nutrition into CrossFit, um, how he founded Nova 3 Labs and why he's still doing what he's doing today Um, and also talking about kind of the science around nutrition within CrossFit and why the supplements they created is what they created. Um, Mike is someone I like I I look up to a lot in the industry and he's actually someone I'm looking forward to working with in the future uh, with my nutrition and dialing things in that way because I think as I mentioned before coaches need coaches um everyone needs a coach right i definitely believe in the value of that so um that's everything from me guys if you are interested definitely leave us a rating and review that would help out so much for sure in the future um but for now here is my interview with mike
1: and we're back guys we are back this time with a very special guest uh ceo and founder of nova3labs um Mike Castelli. Uh, so, Mike is obviously the CEO and founder, but he's someone that I had Chrissy, uh, Chrissy Barron on a couple episodes back, which I'll put in the show notes as well, um, kind of talking about the business, but also she kind of alluded more on the mindset of things um, when it comes to just training in general, because that's something she specializes in with her education. But I wanted to have Mike on to talk about the, the company in general. Um, but also its foundations and, you know, the supplements that they create today. So I don't have a ton of information on you, Mike, but when it comes to the brief stuff that I have read, um, you're a guy that, you know, loves fitness, loves athletics, uh, got really into it as a kid from the sounds of things, played a bunch of different sports. So tell me, I guess, how you got into fitness from that perspective and, and a little bit of the cold notes of where you are today.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's uh, It's a story that maybe some – some OG CrossFitters might be familiar with, or actually anybody in general. Um, I guess I've always been involved in athletics in some capacity, whether it was box lacrosse or martial arts, and uh, I wanted to find something. When I was about to test for my black belt uh, in Taekwondo, I I thought I needed better conditioning, so I started to look around, and, you know, I came across a couple of videos of the old, uh, you know, the old original CrossFit.com Nasty Girls, and And I I was just, just like everybody in that era, I got sucked in really big. I was just like, man, this is underground. This is hardcore. This is what I need to be doing. And sort of started looking around for a CrossFit and there wasn't one in Lethbridge at the time. So, um, I guess I should make a really long story short. Um, I, I started, an affiliate was popped up here and I started to train and I realized that. At the time, I was older, so I was 35 at the time, and I realized, you know, I think I need to get my nutrition in order to, to pick up the pieces and stay stay competitive with some of the younger guys. So, just from a personal interest point of view, um, I started to read everything I could about performance-based nutrition. And I already had a pretty good base. I was, it's something I've always been interested in. Um, one sec, I'm just gonna close the window here. Sorry about that. No helicopters flying over here. Um <laughs> but uh I and I started to, to take a bunch of courses too. So I started to with without the interest of coaching, without the interest of starting a business. I had no interest in that. I had been a career firefighter um since two thousand and I had been involved in emergency medicine since nineteen ninety four. And that that's my meat potatoes job. So I really started a business. Um, and I just started to accumulate a lot of knowledge and it started to really make a huge difference in my performance. And of course, like I drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid and basically, you know, got my black belt, boom, quit the next day. My sensei was, heated; <laughs> he thought he did something wrong, but I'm like, no, sorry, got sucked into the CrossFit cult and, and it was <laughs> awesome. Um, it was totally awesome. But, um, but at the time I was still only just using that knowledge for myself and, People started to come to me to ask a lot of questions. They're like, hey, Mike seems to know a little bit about nutrition, so let's talk to him. And there was a couple of incidents where I had been seeking answers to questions, and I had asked a few people who at the time were my mentors, and I had been given some wrong information. Um, and that really kind of irked me. Not that, they, not that they did anything wrong, but I'm like, why, why isn't it clear? Yeah. And one thing I realized really early on was that nutritional science was really lacking. Um, there's a lot of pseudoscience out there um, and there's a lot of very uh, it depends kind of answers 100%. Um, so I started to really dig into the why's that's really what I wanted to know like like why should we be eating this and why maybe doesn't low carb work well for glycolytic sports um, and you know why do we have to worry about nutrient density um, like questions like that right so um, Jump ahead a little bit, um, I started a company called Dynamic Nutrition, and I started to do nutritional consulting for some of the local clients here in Lethbridge, and then some some of the Western Canada crossfitters. And that kind of morphed into working with, with James Fitzgerald from, at the time, was optimum performance training. He had just moved his business down to Arizona, and I was consulting with one of his clients, and he sort of headhunted me and shot me a text and said, hey... Do you want to work together on some stuff? I'm like, yeah, definitely. So I got a jump within the industry with working with James. I got exposure to a lot of high level athletes, um, a lot of very high level concepts in its modal training. And from there, um, man, how, how long do we want to spend on this? Jump ahead even. <laughs> just jump ahead today. So, today, what does Nova 3 Labs look like? Um, well, it's myself and Chrissy Barron, and she is the business operator. She's the director of operations. Um, so she basically runs all the money side of the company and, and the day to day activities. And I'm still involved with nutrition the formulation of our products. And, and if we go, sorry, I'm j- jumping around a bit. If we go back a bit, um, I've always been what I call a reluctant entrepreneur. Um, I never wanted to be a business. I never wanted to take money from people to talk about nutrition, which is something, I've been super passionate about. Um, but there came a time when I started to do some uh, some hormone testing. So initially, that was just some salivary testing um, involved with um, cortisol, DHEA, testosterone. and I started to get into that with some of my athletes because I started to see some very significant signs, of, and this is a deep rabbit hole to what I have to talk about, but significant signs of overtraining within uh, some mixed-modal athletes. wanted to know why, once again, why is this happening? So I started to do some hormone testing. Um, and started to use some formulas company. And then one day I was sitting at this desk here and I was like, you know, I wonder if I could put a formula together instead of using like this, this, and this from this company. And I was lucky enough to find a manufacturer that was willing to do that for me at the time. And that's really how Max Adrenal came out. That was the first product that, that I had. And this was when the company was still called Dynamic Nutrition. And I actually still have one bottle left of the old, uh, <laughs> I've got it sitting on my shelf up here, the old, the, the big bottle with the sachet packs. Um, and that's really how that kind of started. I never wanted to start a supplement company. I kind of was like, I want a product that I want my clients to use. It's something that I want to use because as a wannabe CrossFitter, as a ship worker, as a new parent, I'm like, I'm feeling kind of burnt out these days. So, um, you know, my hormone profile at the time is pretty sad. So, um, so that's how the supplement side started. And then that has really morphed into like, people ask me, um, you know, why have you created the supplements that you created? Like, what's the reason? I'm like, honestly, these are the products that I use and not to be selfish, but, but when I create, when I formulate a product, I'm looking for something that, how is this going to improve my life? It's like, okay, adrenal support, makes sense. Shift worker, performance-based athlete. Um, Sleep issue, shift worker, okay, let's create a sleep product. What would I use? Well, prior to max sleep, I was using a combination of GABA, L-DOPA, ZMA, and I would just put it all together, and I'm like, okay, let's make this product happen. Um, Max capacity, another one. It's like, okay, um, acetylcholine we need more of that as performance-based athletes for mental focus um, instead of just taking a bunch of phosphatidylcholine from like sunflower lecithin or soy lecithin. Why don't we create a better product? So that's why a lot of these products have popped up like this. So yeah,
1: I think that's like, that's an awesome story. There's a lot of things I could like, we could talk for hours. And I would, I would, to be honest with you, go down, you know, a number of different rabbit holes. One of the things that kind of struck me when I was going through your bio Um, And also some of the things you mentioned that you were learning when you started out with one of your certifications is the now extinct (laughs) CrossFit nutrition uh, certification with, with Rob Wolf at the time, I'm assuming he was the one running the course. And obviously he's the, he's the founder of the paleo movement. And, you know, paleo has, has done a lot of really good things. Um, In my opinion, you know, it's anytime you look at entering something from a food quality perspective, it can definitely, bring emphasis on a lot of good things for people's nutritional habits. There's no question about that. Um, but on the CrossFit side of things and he even writes it in his book, um, wired to eat is that, you know, for performance aspects of things, paleo might not necessarily be the right approach, but when it was big and in, in, in the early 2012, 11 before that <laughs> people were doing that, right? Like, and I, I wasn't in the CrossFit scene at that time. So tell me about your, your learnings of that shift at the time but also why like tell tell me and tell the listeners why um we need to be having more carbohydrates for a glycolic sport like crossfit
2: yeah that's an awesome awesome question um, yeah so raw was huge was a huge influence and still is a huge influence with some caveats but um i mean when i entered the, the sort of the crossfit arena the big thing at the time was the zone um, uh-huh. i remember thinking I'm like, man, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why are we, and this was really before macros were a big thing. Um, I'm like, why are we counting our macros twice? And like, this is seems <laughs> And Insert Rob came along, right? Um, huge influence, talking about paleo, talking about nutrient density, talking about food intolerances. Um, and that was a huge shift in the way people looked at food. And when I started to consult with athletes, I had a very strong paleo bias. We did very, you know, we spent a lot of time on nutrient density. And that serves the general population really well when we start to look at nutrient density we can improve a lot of parameters of health and longevity performance eh? maybe not so much we'll talk about that in a sec um I mean it's uh when it comes and you know Rob has Rob has actually there's a really old blog post and I don't remember the date on it but he basically said you know paleo is not gonna work for um, a CrossFit or a mixed model athlete, um, someone involved in a very anaerobic glycolytic sport. Why? Because we need those carbohydrates. Um, and that's really, without getting into it, that's that's really what it comes down to. When, when like a paleo diet, a true paleo diet, um, by definition, is low carbohydrate, without a doubt. We're removing starchy carbohydrates. Um, you have a low carb, high protein, or moderate protein, probably a very high fat diet. Um, is it calorically appropriate? Maybe it might be. Let's say if we uh, if we take an example. Let's say we take an athlete. Um, we'll take like a 27 year old male who's five ten, 180 pounds requires 3,200 calories per day. Um, if he's running on a paleo diet he's very high fat, low carb, um, he might feel okay for a while. Um, one of the things that I saw, and I guess to jump around a little bit, one of the things that I saw with myself. When I started to eat um, a very nutrient dense Paleo diet, I felt really good. Like mentally, I felt good. Gastrointestinal felt phenomenal. Um, lots of energy. Um, one thing that seemed to be missing was the gas tank. Though it's like mm-hmm. did really well in like the strength based stuff, the short duration stuff. Um, at the time, I was six feet tall, 165 pounds, so pretty lean, pretty pretty slim. But I could pull a 123 on a 500 meter row, right? And, and pretty good. Pretty good numbers, like two and a half times bodyweight deadlift. So I can pull 405, 410. Um, so pretty good in the in the strength department. But you know, you talk to me about doing Murph or something like that, and you know, I probably walk away, um, and not tell you my numbers. Um, and that that's that's the big difference right there is the endurance capacity um, when it comes to that that anaerobic metabolism. Um, so. Why do we need those carbs? We need them for performance, without a doubt. When we're in that low-carb arena, we're going to harness a lot of cortisol. Cortisol is a phenomenal hormone. It makes us be able to do a lot of things. One, survive. But two, um, part of that, when we're low-carb, our body's like, damn. Carbs are our main and preferred energy source, without a doubt. From the time we were single cell organisms to now. We love carbohydrates. And our body is going to do everything it can to make them, even if we're not giving them carbohydrates. One of those processes we have is survival mechanisms called gluconeogenesis, the creation of carbohydrate from non-carbohydrate sources. Um, So breaking down fat and protein, turning it into carbs. Um, The body utilizes cortisol to do that. So one of the things, the common scenarios that I saw, I saw this with myself, I saw this, see this time and time again, not so much now, thankfully, is people... They join CrossFit, they love it. They're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. They start to eat behavior, they're like, oh my God, I'm leaning out like crazy. Oh, this is awesome, I've never looked this good, I've never felt this good, my fitness is elite. Um, And then, like 12 months later, all of a sudden, they're like, wow, I feel like crap. Wow, I'm not as lean as I was anymore. Wow, what's going on? I feel like I'm breaking down. Um, And that's over secretion. And to get a little more scientific that's HPA axis dysfunction over the course of time because of low calorie carbohydrate Um, and that's what I saw a lot with paleo and the CrossFit arena was a lot of people quote unquote breaking and how did we fix that you basically take a paleo diet and you add a shit pile of carbohydrates to it that in a nutshell is the perfect CrossFit diet right nutrient-dense High carbohydrate, um, and that's really that's one of the basis of what I use for my consulting now. Um, when we talk about food quality, is the addition of carbohydrates. Now, I don't know if that totally answered the whole question on the whole paleo carb thing. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I think okay. and that and that's
1: one of the things too. Um, you know, I, I've I've worked with Jason Phillips in the past. I'm not sure if you know of him or work with him because I know he spent a little bit of time at OPEX as well. Yep. I'm not sure when mm-hmm. they were OPEX. Um, but he stresses so much on the, the periodization of, of nutrition, you know, when, when training higher, carbs need to be higher when, you know, it's an off season and you're laying in the pool on a, on a floaty, you don't maybe need the carbs quite that high. Um, but that's something that there's a time and a place for sure. That was kind of the, one of the questions too. I think you have a neat, unique background, um, was, you know, working one-on-one with James as James was getting to be bigger, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was. He was big at the time, no question about it. Like, you went to the CrossFit Games. I even believe he won, if I remember correctly, um, like I said before my time. But the same, yeah. the same sentence, like, the man knew his, his shit, right? So what were some of the things you went to him not knowing that you came away with? And you're like, wow, that my relationship with James uh, definitely changed the way I look at CrossFit as a sport, but also the nutrition side of it as well.
2: Well, yeah, so, yeah, so uh, to uh, add to that, he was, yeah, James was the first winner of the CrossFit Games in 2007. Um, And, yeah, so when I started working with him, it was one of the biggest takeaways was the way that he looked at the development of athletes. Um, When he would get, like, we would see a lot of really, like, young, talented, raw athletes come in, and he would take a look at them and be like, okay, this is – this guy will probably be games ready in like two years, maybe three years. It was a very long term approach that he took to developing athletes. And he was one of the first um, coaches to sort of take a look at at specific energy systems within CrossFit. Because if we think about it, CrossFit requires, it's mixed mode, right? It's everything, it's all modalities, all energy systems, Um, so he, took a look at developing, putting an emphasis on developing aerobic capacity for mixed-model athletes, um, you know, strength endurance, and, and at the time, the OPT-CCP course for, for uh, program design, um, it was sort of the, the first one that everybody has branched off of. Um, I'm lucky that I get to see a lot of programming from a lot of really good coaches um, all over the world, and I can see that influence still within that programming. Um, so from a programming point of view, he took, he took the development of the athletes to the next level. Um, from a nutrition point of view, I was really lucky in that he gave me free reign. Um, and I don't know if that was a good thing or bad thing. Um, (laughs) go ahead do what you want with these guys. Um, he oversaw everything at the time. Um, but it was, uh, the emphasis that really, that, that I saw was like, um, the bonus thing that I got was exposure to athletes. So I got to consult with a lot of athletes. And what I saw and what I still see today is that 99% of the athletes that come to me don't eat enough food. And they don't consume enough calories and they generally don't consume enough carbohydrates. And it's funny because someone can have really good performance. Let's say, let's say you're eating 200 grams of carbs a day. I'll just pick a random number. Um, and you feel really good and you perform really well but that might not be optimal for performance. You might need 400, right? And when it comes to periodization, is there a time and a place for it? Yeah, totally. You know, at certain parts of the quote-unquote season, which has obviously gone under major changes as we formerly knew it, but we won't go there, um, there might be times during that season where you might need 400 grams. There might be times when you only need yeah, if you're going to lay around a pool, you might need to reduce your calories. And whether that comes from carbs or fat, it depends. Um, well, you can definitely periodize that. But um, but that's that's generally one thing I saw was that there were some really good athletes out there that weren't eating enough. And if I think back to the OG days of CrossFit and with guys like Chris Spieler and, you know, some of the big names like that, you know, we look back And in my nutrition seminars that I do, I've actually um, – I've talked to Marcus about this, and he's cool with me talking about this. Um, I have numbers from from Marcus Philly from when he first competed to the. And then I compare his numbers to somebody like Travis Williams. And we take a look at the difference in calories and the ratios of carbohydrates, fat, and protein, and they're vastly different now to, let's say, an athlete like Travis compared to Marcus way back in, like, let's say, way not that far like 2011 um so it always makes me wonder what would have athletes done had they had the nutrition knowledge that we have now what would their numbers look like back then because we know that you know back in 2007 when you guys had to do 155 thrusters everybody was forward they're like oh my god i can't <laughs> believe I can thrusters this is horrible you know james even talks about that he's like i just thought i thought i was gonna die um and now it's like oh my mom rolls into CrossFit and day one she's doing 155 thrusters um you know which is i mean, being extreme but I mean the way that the sport has evolved is 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 parallel to where nutrition the nutrition knowledge of the generalist coming in is much higher than people, people understand. I understand. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I absolutely agree to that point. Like, I think you know, there's there's still a lot of of loopholes, if you will, um to where where people are going with nutrition and, and when they're general understanding, but you know, most people these days are coming at it with at least a a base level knowledge uh, when they, when they walk in the door, Uh, I'm assuming compared to what it was 10 years ago when they walked
2: in. Totally. Yeah. So I used to hand out, um, a food log tracker to my clients and it was just like, it was blank and I'd be like, write your food down, give it back to me. Um and you know what there's actually still some value in that. When actually people do that, it's putting pen to paper and they're more connected with their food and whatnot. But um mm-hmm. get that back. But nowadays, um almost all my clients I'm like, hey, are you tracking with some sort of food tracker? Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm using my fitness pal, using my macros or, or, or fat seeker. Like almost everybody is tracking macros in some degree. Where before Nobody was tracking macros and I would take it and I would break it down with like this old school program, figure out what their numbers were. Because even back then, prior to the whole if it fits your macros sort of blowing up, that crowd from the bodybuilding community, um, I still thought there's value in figuring out quantifying the, the nutrition, right? There's, there's always the quantity aspect and there's always the, the quality aspect, right? We need to know how much we're eating and what we're eating, right?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the questions I had for you, you mentioned like, you know, most of the people you see or you saw at the time were massive under eaters. I still think that see that comes to me for the most part today. Like, um, one of the questions I often ask people, is like, you know, when was the last time you weren't dieting? Like when was the last time you weren't trying to diet? Right. So like suppressing calories, what are some like take home things for people who are listening to this be like signs that are not eating enough.
2: How do they tell? Yeah. Signs you're not eating enough. That's a good one. So Right off the bat, hunger may or may not be there. Yep. Um very funny sign. If hunger's so there's the three H's. This is this tells if you're living a good life. You got the three H's. You're hungry, you're happy, and you're horny. <laughs> if you got those going on, your, your hormones are probably in order. Um, so you may or may not be hungry. There's lots of people who are under-eating, not hungry at all. Um, but if number one, you're bonking in workouts, right? Um, you you do like a 14 minute AMRAP and you, you got to tap out at like, you know, 12 minutes or something like that. Um, you're not sleeping well, right? Um, under eating can crank that cortisol. It's going to suppress your melatonin. You're not going to sleep. Um, number two, weight gain. And that one might be like, uh, wait a second. What do you mean you're under eating? Chr- people who are chronically under eating can still gain weight. Now I know there's going to be registered dietitians and guys with PhDs that are pulling their hair out right now. <laughs> um, totally goes against the law of thermodynamics. For sure. Um without a doubt, empirically, I see this all the time though. It's not black and white. Everybody's different, but some people will stall out if they're under-eating. If you go into too much of a caloric deficit, your body's like, screw you, man. Whatever calories I get, I'm keeping because I'm in this fight or flight starvation mode right now. And it's not, I want to, I want to, for clarity, it's not true starvation mode. If we want to start to quote like the Minnesota starvation society and stuff like that. Yeah. We get into some pretty nitty gritty details, but, um, as an example, um, I have an athlete who is going to compete in France and he was chronically under eating, sent me a picture and he looked like the Michelin man. He was smooth. He was bloated. He's like, dude, I feel like shit. I'm like, how many calories you use? He's like, 2,200. I'm like, man, my mommy's 2,200 calories. You need like 4,000. So I'm like, crank your calories. Cranks his calories. Two weeks later, send me another picture. He's like, ripped to the gills. This is an extreme example. And he's like, wow, what the heck? I'm eating more and I'm leaning out. I'm like, yes, you're a performance-based athlete. So um, tangent there, but what are some other signs? Irritability, um, unable to think clearly. Um, if you are hungry, you're thinking about food all the time. Um, Going back to the hunger, if you're not even interested in food at all, you might be severely under-eating, right? Your cortisol might be cranked so much all the time it's suppressing your hunger, right? Um, decreasing in your, in your percentages, right? So if you know, if you're an Olympic weightlifter and you know your percentages, um, or you're doing a resistance-based program and you, you know your weights, if you can't hit close to your 1RMs, now, there's periodization that's involved in this, right? But if you can't even hit 80 percent on, let's say, your dead or your squat or your overhead press, um, and you're properly warmed up and all that kind of stuff, you probably under um, When I start to feed athletes, the first thing that happens before body comp changes, before anything, the first thing I hear back is, wow, I can't believe how good I feel in the gym, right? And it's usually the number one thing that goes up first would be strength. Yeah,
1: no, that all like that all really makes a lot of sense, and I I definitely agree with you on the side of things. Like it's it's almost weird that even with how much knowledge is out there, like we said, things have changed. But you know, you see you see people like you know that, that the athlete you're working with, you mentioned going to France, like competing at a higher level, and they're still not at the right spot. Um, like I, I I kind of laughed um, sarcastically, but almost hum- humorously as well, just that. Um, one of the, uh, one of the athletes who's qualified for the CrossFit games, he's, I believe a three or four time CrossFit games athlete, at least I won't mention his name because it doesn't, it doesn't serve me to, to put him down or anything. Um, but he's, he's a well-known athlete and he's eating 2850 calories a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not enough amount of food or he's training very, very little, which is not something that I would expect given the his no. high level of the games, right? So it's, it's no, kind of alarming.
2: You see, a, and I think there's a couple reasons for that, too. So one of the things mm-hmm. I see, even if, with strictly performance-based athletes, there's always pressure to look without a doubt. And I think this is a total tangent we can go on, but I think for social sure. social media um, is, is amazing. It's an amazing tool, um, but at the same time, it can cause a lot of issues um, with people's body composition. Oh, 100%. Because the best of the best, and it's filtered and it's whatever else, It's the pictures are all altered and everything, right? And everybody has pressure to look good. And I hear it all the time, more so than I ever used to um, from, from athletes. Um, so I think there's always this pressure to cut, to be lean, to look good, to perform and look good at the same time, right? So I do get a lot of athletes these days who are like coming off a cut and it's, I'm not gonna slam other companies, but they, they have cutting templates and and all sorts of stuff like that. And I don't think that really serves a performance community all that well. No, um, not at all. And there has been some very high level coaches who have said, that athletes should be as lean as possible, um, and I definitely disagree with that. And I'm not the only one in that field. Um,
1: no, I agree with you there too. Because, like, again, not without mentioning the coach's name, he's been on record saying athletes should be at 12 to 15 percent or 8 <laughs> to 12 percent um, before they can before they can quote unquote play the game. Which is again, that doesn't you don't you don't win or you're not successful in the sport because you're that lean.
2: No, not at all. And, and, you know, I've talked at length, Kyle Ruth from Training Think Tank did a really good post on this a while back. And it, there's like, there's an inverse relationship with, um, with not, not inverse, but it's almost on a curve where an athlete will have good performance once they get lean, but if they get too lean, their performance decreases. And I've seen it time and time again. Unless somebody, and we, you know, with, with the CrossFit Games athletes, and we're always doing this. So really good quote. I stole it off Instagram. I don't know who said it. (laughs) Comparison is the thief of joy. Um, And if you take a look at all those athletes, they are the cream of the crop, right? They have this amazing body composition. Their biomechanics are awesome. Their performance is phenomenal. Um, So they are lean. The average person trying to get that lean is going to come at a cost, and that cost is performance. So saying, just having a blanket statement saying you have to be at a specific percentage, I think is negative. And that makes people chase the wrong thing. Um, Absolutely. The second part to that though would be, and I love throwing this out and I'll say I stole this from Rob because he used to always answer questions like this. It depends. Everybody. <laughs> yep. Right? So I have some female athletes that are close to like 400 grams of carbs, 100 grams of fat, you know, 150 grams of protein, they're eating tons of calories. I've had some male clients. One I can think of in particular: six foot four, originally two fifty. We leaned him out to two twenty-five. He was at like twenty-two hundred calories by the time he got to two twenty-five, and training twice a day, five days a week. Um, still had great performance. No signs and symptoms of overtraining or undereating. Obviously in a huge caloric deficit, but it was appropriate for him. So, the one thing I do want to emphasize to people, emphasize to people listening, is that. If you have a set of macros and you're looking at somebody's macros, that's like looking underneath the hood and that's theirs. That's not yours. You can't take that and apply it to yourself. And people always want to do that. They're like, hey, Mike, what are your macros? I'm like, dude, I seriously don't want to tell you what I eat. And people get offended. they like, why? You got some secret shit going on? I'm like, no. My, like, my numbers for me at like 45 years old, training like five days a week, are way different than what you're going to need, right? Um, so if you were to grab my numbers and try to play with them, it might do you a disservice and vice versa. Right. Um, so that guy he talked about, you know, he's at 2,800 calories. Yeah, that might be enough for him. It's hard to say without knowing. Exactly. More yeah. Everybody's different. Right. I know. Um, I had the, the client I was just talking to prior to this podcast. Um, he did like 5,000 calorie refeed the other day and he's like, man, I felt awesome. I'm like, dude, I think that I would blow up and be in the hospital. Like that's crazy. Right um everybody's different when it comes to their needs and that can fluctuate too it's like you were if you were 3400 calories last year this this time this year you might not be things might have changed right your body changes all the time and it's it's why i named my first company dynamic nutrition because it is dynamic everything's always changing right?
1: yeah absolutely and i think that's one of the things when i'm ever talking to clients or just you know talking in general about fitness and nutrition i always say that that's one of the telltale signs that you can tell someone knows what they're talking about is if they don't answer a statement or a question, sorry, with, uh, with a statement, a blanket statement that applies to everyone. If they answer with it depends, start listening to what comes out after because gets like, really good, right? So like that's something that you, you, you can cut away the bullshit right, right away. If someone's answering with a specific answer that they give the, the same answer to a lot of people, you good chance they don't know what they're talking about. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you now about, because, again, you kind of alluded to it over that, was the creation of NOVA Labs. Um, you mentioned, you know, Max Adreno was your first product. That's yep. one of the things I think that you guys do more than other companies, if you will, um, in the supplement industry is, is focusing on the recovery aspect of things. Um, yeah. not selling fillers, right? If you yep. guys wanted to you could get into the, the pre workout and the, um, and the fat burning, <laughs> the fat burners and, <laughs> and just sell product, right? Just move product for money. You can do that why didn't you do it
2: um transparency um for for one um one of the one of the and, and you know efficacy efficacy and transparency um to go back to to why i created the products i did was one i wanted them for myself so i knew that my biggest thing was recovery um i knew that when i went to the gym. And I had my programming and it kicked my ass. I'm like, God, I need to recover so I can get back in the gym really quickly. So I wanted to focus on recovery. And if we think about it, we're in the gym, on average, let's say an hour a day. Um, The other 23 hours, we're trying to recover. And that's where we're making those quote unquote gains, right? And it's really important to do everything you can to recover as quickly as possible. And it's really not what you do immediately pre-workout. It's what you do post-workout, every single day for like 365 days a year um that matters like how i'm going to feel next month and next year at this time really matters what i'm doing after my workout so that's why that the focus was on that was all about the recovery Um, and i guess the other aspect transparency aspect was one of my biggest pet peeves when i would be looking for a supplement i would number one not be able to find the ingredient label online very easily that was a huge issue for me i'm like okay what is this company trying to hide number two was proprietary blends absolutely despise that the supplement industry without a doubt is not a not shady industry it can be especially in the u.s health canada doesn't do a bad job of regulating the supplement industry but it's really not that great it's not as great as people think um within the states um, and honestly, that's where we manufacture. Um, initially, Max Green was manufactured in Canada, and then we moved operations to the state. So we manufacture in Utah, we ship out of Utah. Um, you can do whatever you want. You can put whatever you want in a supplement. You can slap whatever label you want on there, and nobody is checking. Um, the good thing nowadays is consumers are very savvy about that, and we got a lot of people asking about third-party testing, right? And there's a lot of companies now doing third-party testing on um and we are in the process of having all our stuff third-party tested we do get it tested right at the facility um, but we're looking at getting stuff third-party tested just to say you know what's in it is actually what's in it and there's nothing else um but from a from a consumer point of view for me I just wanted supplements that I was like okay when I read the label this is what I have this is what I have in there and I want people to realize that there's nothing else in there but that pretty straightforward and one of the most important things to me is the stuff that's in there there's a reason to have it in there right we don't have like 500,000 percent of the RDA of vitamin B in a pre-workout we don't need it right um there's studies to back up every single component that I've put into those formulas right so and I want people to read that sometimes people don't they're, they're like oh, okay that's cool but lots of I think lots of people appreciate that and that's what NOVA known for it's like hey this is a company that has science backing their product. And, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that don't. And there's not that many supplement companies within the CrossFit industry. And I'm not going to name any of them, but lots of them don't have science that backs their product, right? It's just, it just sells because of marketing. It can be a very powerful tool. So,
1: yep. Marketing and get, just getting higher level athletes to, to stand beside your brand. Um, you're thinking like not, not the rich phones taking anything that I would want to take or anything like that. But if, if he stands mm-hmm. inside a product, it's pretty, I'll, I'll just take what Rich is taking. Um, so well, like, yeah. and that's, and that there's a lot of problems that can go down that rabbit hole. Um, no. Again, take home points, help mm-hmm. people. I mean, obviously I want people to, to go to Nova lab for sure, but how do people, if they're walking through a GNC and a Popeye's or they're, you know, they're just going through some of the supplements they have in their cabinet right now. How do we tell what's bullshit? How do we tell what's good? That kind of stuff that we need to throw out. What What are the, some of the things that you think actually make a difference to CrossFitters that they should keep, and what should we throw out?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, okay, I guess I'll say what I'm a fan of, what I'm not a fan of. Um, I'm a fan of um, one, not having proprietary blends. So if you find a, does it doesn't now, here's the thing: it doesn't mean that product's bad. Um, but you don't know how much of what is in there. That's the problem. You don't know how much, like you know, if you have a proprietary blend and let's say, oh my God, I'll just make something up here. Let's say it's got creatine, it's got HMD, it's got beta alanine, um, but it's a proprietary blend and it says 10 grams. Well, you don't know how much of what in there and there's, there's specific amounts of those products and I'm not even gonna get into the HMD thing. Um, That's, <laughs> uh, I know I just actually just named, I just kind of, yeah, anyways, I won't go there. Oh, <laughs> you need to know how much you're taking. That's the whole point, right? Um, and I guess I guess you have to be educated. There's some due diligence on the part of the consumer to be like, okay, what product should I take? And in all honesty, there's not a lot of shit out there that works. Um, the supp- There's a lot of supplements out there. It's a billion and billion dollar industry. But if you take a look at, Let's say a really good resource, a really good free resource is examine.com. Yep. Um, that, um, I knew Saul, one of the creators of it, and Chris Frank, before even examine.com was created. And I used to bounce questions about those guys. Chris Frank's a brilliant guy. Um, and they put together an awesome compendium. It's not complete. It's pretty close to complete, where you can find a lot of studies, like if you just Google Um, creatine examine.com it's going to come up with a plethora of information about creatine what it is and then this human based now here's the key the human based trials that have backed those studies and then you're going to be a little more educated right um there's there's a lot of stuff out there a lot of it does most doesn't work some of it works right um so I would say number you got to be educated you got to walk into a store don't be at the mercy of what some you can take it as the truth um, number two I would say avoid proprietary blends right um you want to know exactly what you're taking right um, and, and the reason why you're taking it, right um, and if, if people are curious about like okay okay well, this guy's talking smack about all this other stuff what about what about Nova just take a look at our products online like um, all the studies there are listed um, all the reasons why um, you should be taking it are there as well so and there's a reason why we've got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven products. We don't have a lot, right? It's because yep. those. Um, we're coming out with an eighth. We're coming out with an eighth very soon, um, and it's it's the most effective supplement in over-the-counter history. It's a creatine. We're coming out with a creatine. So
1: that was um, one of my questions for you because like when it comes to you know supplements that do work, like like you said, there's very few, um, yep. but one of them is a creatine supplement Um, creatine monohydrate is probably one of the most researched products that is also the most backed and also when you walk into most stores the cheapest Um, and there's been a lot of there's a ton of misinformation about it Um, it causes bloating and it causes X Y and Z Uh, it's bad for your kidneys um, until you dig into the actual research uh, behind it which I guess most people don't have time for Um, But uh, if you can tell us a little bit about why you guys are bringing uh, creatine as the eighth product and uh, and what you want to accomplish with it,
2: yeah. So yeah, you know, creatine one of the most over, uh, effective over-the-counter supplements in, in sports performance history, without a doubt. Probably next to caffeine. I don't know which one yep. would be better, um, but probably without a doubt. Um, and it's funny because I used to say, oh, you know, is pretty exclusive for like strength-based athletes. You know, um, basically. The the real super simple science is that it it helps regenerate your ATP or adenosine triphosphate. Um, So that's an energy system that burns really quickly. Think about a one rep max deadlift. You use an ATP. It's like, boom, uh, done. Okay. Or maybe like, you know, two or three rep max. You use an ATP. The faster we can recycle that system, the better the other energy systems work. So there's carryover to that. There's really interesting studies behind creatine and anxiety and creatine and offsetting depression creatine, congestive heart failure, and creatine, there is even some with endurance athletes. It's mostly exclusive to sport. Um, sorry, strength-based sport. But um, but there, it's got carryover into all aspects. So so the reason why we want to bring it on board is number one, it's effective. Number two, what are we going to do different about it? Well, I'm not going to tell you right now what we're going to do different. Um, without a doubt, the creatine that we're going to bring to the market is different than any other that has been seen. Now, I'd like to sort of have some clarity on that Almost all of the studies to date have been done on creatine monohydrate. Lots and lots of manufacturers have tried to do funny stuff with creatine. So there's the whole fiasco of the creatine ethyl ester. There was the whole little bit of a mismarketing of the, the, um, the creoalkaline, so of buffered creatine. Um, and you know there's been studies proven to be like, okay, one creatine ethyl ester, probably not good for you, um, breaks down into creatinine a little too quickly. Um, the alkaline you know, the buffered form, eh? No more effective than creatine monohydrate. Creatine monohydrate is the gold standard, um, without a doubt. That's the one that's been tested. In my with my client base right now, um, I put almost all my athletes on creatine um, because it's effective, um, and I tell them just go buy creatine monohydrate. That's all you need to do. Um, the creatine we're going to come up with is a little bit different, and it's going to be obviously. Backed by some science on why that is, there's been some new studies that have popped up on some different types of creatine. So um, I'll just be a little bit vague on that purposely, and um, we're going to be getting that out probably within the next three to four months. So formula is done, manufacturing is going to be starting right away, and um, yeah, that's something though to get away from from pitching my Nova stuff. um, That's something that I think everybody should be looking at for sure. Um, The benefits without a doubt um are there um and this the safety factor too is super 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 high there's yep. been a lot of misinformation about create yeah using creatine and renal health um creatine and you know you know heat stroke and all that kind of stuff um and there's you know people do still silly stuff right you know people will take creatine and then they'll go and not hydrate and train for like you know four hours in the sun well <laughs> happen right um, you know cramps yeah. Muscle pulls and stuff like that. None of it has ever been correlated to the direct use of creatine. So Yeah, I, I totally agree with you
1: on that research. One thing I wanted to ask you too would just, uh, do you generally recommend for a creatine monohydrate if people are taking it to, uh, like, you know, some companies will say you need to load it. Some will not. I usually just say, like, you can just take the five grams daily. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't need yeah. crazy.
2: Yep. Five grams a day for 30 days range of saturation. Yeah. The whole loading dose thing, it gets you to saturation faster, but it doesn't, there's... If, if anything it's going to cause a more potential side effects and some people will have some weight gain without a doubt from creatine so there's, there's hyper responders there's responders and there's non responders and I've seen all three types so a hyper responder would be somebody who takes creatine they're up five pounds next thing you know they're putting 20 pounds on their squat like within the next week right there's responders who are over time will be like, Oh yeah, I know I think my weight's up. Man, I feel really good. My strength's going up linearly. Uh, and then there's the non responders. People take it and they're like, Yeah, you know what, I got nothing, man. Nothing's changing on the weight scale, nothing's going on. You generally look at their diet and they're usually crushing about two hundred and fifty grams of protein a day, you know, from um, from um, um from animal based sources and whatnot. Like, you know, vegetarians will have, you know, much lower levels of creatine than someone eating like animal-based protein, um, but um, where was I going with that thought? Holy, totally, totally derailed. That, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so it's a product that works under saturation. So it's like you take it; it's not you're not going to notice anything. It's like after that thirty days of taking five grams a day, then your create your muscle creatine stores will be saturated, right? And yeah. we generally run around if we think about our muscle stores; it's, like it's a cup that's about Depending on your diet and your genetic makeup, it's a cup that's about one third to a half full, right? The whole point of taking creatine is to make sure that that creatine tank is topped up. So when we need it, we're recycling that ATP a lot faster. And what people will notice immediately would be, oh, my max strength is up. Oh, my strength endurance is up. I can get more reps at a higher percent. Um, some people will notice that their endurance is up. So one thing. Effects of creatine causes intracellular muscle hydration. Now that's much different than bloating. People are like, "Oh my god, I got bloated from creatine, dude!" I went up like five pounds. I'm like, "No, you're not bloated. Your your muscle cells are more hydrated." Part of what that does that can buffer acidosis, right? Acid component of muscular fatigue that is very predominant within the mixed mode community. Right, when we're doing anything glycolytic like or anaerobic, we're going to build up some hydrogen ions. That's gonna awesome. creatine has the ability to cause an ergogenic effect through the buffering of acidosis, there's, Yeah, There's a lot of that too, right? So, Absolutely. Um, One yeah. of the
1: other things I wanted to talk to you about, like, in terms of our product-wise, was no. the, I believe it's the max recovery. Yeah, it's the max recovery, I think. Um, and that is the, I think it's a post-workout, it's a workout drink, and the, the combination that you know, as a nutrition coach, I like to recommend to people, is, especially within you know the Metcon CrossFit the community, is at least a one-to-one, maybe even a two-to-one ratio of carbs to protein. Um, talk to me about that product and why, why those ratios are important. Why aren't we just you know guzzling strips of bacon after a workout? And why do we? Why do we need the cordi- or why do we need the carbohydrate uh, and protein to help combat the cortisol of what we just did in a workout?
2: Yeah, yeah, bacon sounds way better sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you know, initially that product, was a little bit of initially um, it was just straight Max Recovery, so it was just um, carbohydrates, highly branched cyclic dextrin. Um, yep, love that product. Since day one, um, yes. Yeah, so now in, in the format it's available now. It's Max Recovery plus protein. So we've added uh, white protein acid. Um, and there's some history behind that. that I'm interested to find out. About. Um, initially, I've always pushed, you know, the, the two to one carb protein ratio. Sometimes even four to one. Way back in the day, one of my influences was uh, was John Hardy. Um, back prior to his evolution precision nutrition, um, and he would really push the four to one carb protein ratio. And that's a little bit high for a lot of people. Um, these days, what I actually do with a lot of my clients, even the high level. Editors, we're doing a one-to-one carb protein ratio and the reason for that is I personally like to partition the carbohydrates more around in the day and especially more post-workout and I get a lot of feedback from my clients and they're like hey would it be alright if I like didn't drink my carbs and actually ate my carbs I'm like dude you can always eat your carbs if like, you never go wrong with whole food um some athletes though would rather have more carbs post-workout in the simple sugar form, but that's neither here nor there. But why is that ratio important? Or let's say, why are carbs important post-workout? Well, I've kind of talked a little bit about the whole glycolytic, anaerobic nature of CrossFit. So we need carbs, right? We're, we're storing it as glycogen in our muscle cells. Um, when we go anaerobic, when the work starts to get really hard, your, your body's, you can't utilize oxygen anymore. So it's pulling those carbs, pulling that glycogen out of your muscles, which isn't as cool. There's a finite amount. We carry about 400 grams, average size 400 grams of glycogen in our, in our muscles, about 100 grams in our liver. In um, post workout period, we got to recover that. So it makes sense to take any carbs post workout. But one of the most important reasons, especially as a cross want to take simple carbohydrates post workout is the attenuation of cortisol. So We've just done our hour workout of whatever it might be, whatever was on the whiteboard. We kicked our own ass. Our cortisol is super high. Our body's like, whoa, what the hell just happened? It's a fight or flight scenario. Um, even though we had a ton of fun doing it, um, our body's like, man, I felt like I was running from the bear for an hour. And your cortisol's cranked. What we want is that we want to bring that cortisol down. We want to take our body out of a sympathetic nervous system dominant state and get into more of a parasympathetic dominant state, right? We wanna engage that. One of the things that does that really rapidly is the ingestion of carbohydrates. When we take in those carbs, the body's like, oh, okay, well, I must not be dying because I'm getting fed right now, so this is a good thing. Um, and then we can sort of, for lack of a scientific term, we kind of chill out, calm down, right? And when we become that, that's when our recovery system kicks in, that's when our endocrine system isn't being taxed as much as far as like the cortisol and progesterone. Um, and we can get back into recovery state. Um, so initially, I never really wanted to add protein to this product. Um, I just wanted a straight, I'm more of a very purist where I'm like, I'll take my carb, I'll add my protein. Sometimes I'll add carbs, sometimes I won't. Um, I do that around my workouts. Um, but we did a survey with a lot of uh, the people at Nova, and lots of people want it. The, the protein added, so that's why we created this product. In, in a very close, it's not exact, it's pretty close one to one car protein ratio. So there's about 27 grams of protein and about 24 grams of sorry, 24 grams of protein, 27 grams. No, no, it's 24 grams of protein, 28 grams of protein. Sorry. Yeah, and like that's
1: that's exactly basically what I was kind of talking about as well. Like the amount of times that you know. People go about their day-to-day lives. We're getting busier and busier. Like, let's be honest. You go from one thing, you know, people, a lot of people, I'm actually at a gym right now and and it's it's, it's noon on Wednesday and people are doing their, I mean, the class is full and they're going to do their workout and a good portion of them are just going to race back to the office, not have any food, right? Um, so all you did was go from one sympathetic activity into another sympathetic activity without ever putting anything parasympathetic in. And then you're wondering why you can't sleep at night, and your performance is going through the shitter, right? So, like, I definitely, you know, a, a product like that is something that, again, supplements are the the tip of the spear in terms of what will make everything work. It's not the, it's not the foundation, but um, that's one of the products that you know will definitely make a massive difference for not only performance but performance through recovery. Because if you can't re- he who, he who performs best is he who recovered best, right? So yes, exactly. that's super important to, to keep in mind. I wanted to, uh, to kind of wrap up a little bit more with a little bit more personal questions from you. Um, I definitely would love to have you back on, um, as, as the creatine side of things comes out as well, cause I'd love to discuss that product, but just more in general in the supplements. Cause I think, like I said, sure. to start, we could go on for hours <laughs> talking about this stuff. Um, So one of the questions i like to ask people is, you know, I got into nutrition coaching because similarly to you, I wanted to learn more about it as well. Um, And I I named it my coaching uh, coaching consulting business, The Refocused Nutrition, um, because I wanted people to refocus on certain things. Like trying fad diet from fad diet didn't really seem to gel with me. Um, going keto one week, then carnivore the next, and then wondering why I still couldn't see success—it's not something that I, I loved. Uh, but I still see a lot of within people. What's one thing you wish people would focus on within the fitness and nutrition aspect of things, so that they can get the results that they've never got and they've always wanted to?
2: Ah, what's one thing? Yeah, oh. <laughs> one thing. Dude, yeah, I would say, um. Okay. Patience is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, I, I get I from my client base sometimes I get and I feel a lot of frustration because people are wanting to make these gains um, in really short amount of time, I and mean, they don't see within a week. They don't see it within two weeks. There's a lot of frustration that happens. Um, on, on my on my Instagram, which is Mike Dynamic, um, I got a little link tree there, and I've only got a couple blog posts up, but one of them. One of the posts I wrote quite a while ago is, is it's, its a post called, It's Going to Take Longer Than You Think. And the reason this came about was one, I had a lot of clients be hey, I'm not seeing any change and it's only been two weeks, like it's already been two weeks, what the heck's going on? Um, I was going through my computer one day and I came across a bunch of pictures from like going back to like 2004 of myself. and I kind of put them all together. And so there's an evolution in this blog post of like pictures of me from like 2004 until i think i wrote that post like last year year before um 2018 2017 so you know there's like there's almost 14 years of pictures in there um and there's been change in every year and a lot of it was change on what i was how i was training what i was eating but it kind of took a long time to get where i was right now that's the whole point of it it's it's always going to take longer than you think that whole six minute ab thing or like you know being ripped and shredded within like six weeks, it's like, it's not realistic. Um, so I, I wish clients would take a look at the long game. Like, where am I going to be next year? You know, what am I doing today to improve myself next year? Not like, what What am I going to do to improve myself right this minute or like next week? But my but doing right now, it's going to affect me a year from now. Right? That's what yeah. I wish.
1: That's one quote I kind of take away from a guy like Tony Robbins, for example, I think he always says that, You know, people always overestimate what they can accomplish in one month, but always underestimate what they can accomplish in one year or more, right? Um, The other thing too is like I, I, you know, I've said before is that unfortunately with the society that we live in, fat loss is the only thing we can't go to the store and pick up and buy Mm -hmm. right away, right? Like that's the thing like you're, you know, we have to wait, like transformations don't take five seconds like everything else. If we want, if we want basically anything else, we can go on Amazon, get it delivered to our house the same day. So it's, it's pretty frustrating. Um, The last question I had for you, Mike was a legacy. So, you know, I I always ask it because it's kind of a morbid question, but at the same time, I think it's one that I like to think about as a young person budding in the nutrition industry is thinking about, you know, if you could overlook your own funeral, um, what would you hope that people said about you as a, as a coach, but also someone who created and helped uh, build a successful supplement company that was backed by not only science, but just confidence within what you guys are doing?
2: Oh man, that's a tough one. Wow. Um, so what, what would I want people to say? Yep. Oh, I guess what I would, Oh geez, I don't think I've ever even thought about this. Um, (laughs) I guess what I would want them to say was that, Oh, that he, he brought some good products to the market and he genuinely wanted to help people. I oh, no, man. That sounds
1: so lame. <laughs> I, I like it though. I like the uh, the idea that you know, like if you're if you're in the industry for to make money, then you know you might make money. You you might, but you sell products that you don't even believe in. But you're you're operating from a principle of helping people, and that shows within what the products that you guys have made Nova Labs for sure. Well,
2: I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh... Yeah, so I guess that's what I'd want people to say. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: was, that, that, that was awesome. Again, like, I, I think we could talk for hours on end. I, I love picking your brain on you know, supplements in general because it's something that, as I was a kid or a teenager flipping through muscle and fitness or men's health, just seeing like, supplement after supplement page, ad after ad, thinking like, oh, this is the thing that'll do it, and this is the thing that'll do it. But um, it was good to hear you break that kind of stuff down. Where, where can people find you uh, if they want to connect with you or t- uh, like chat with you or like follow you on social media as well um, just to kind of get more information about you but also Nova3Labs Nova in general just to kind of get um, the information that they need and, and you mentioned the studies that people could read about the products you guys sell.
2: Yeah, well they can like they can hit us up on the website at Nova3Labs.com. Um, I can be found. I'm predominantly on Instagram, so I'm at, at Mike Dynamic. Uh, still haven't changed it. Still my old company name. Um, that's where they can connect with me. Um, you can connect uh, right through the website too. Um, and then um, yeah, and then Nova's on uh, on uh, Instagram as well. Obviously, you just a few miles. We've got uh, we've got a Canadian um affiliate uh, wholesaler uh, distributor. And then um, we've also got the, our our main American one too. So um, if you're in Canada and you're looking to order Nova products, they will ship right out of Edmonton. You're not going to pay you're not going to pay U.S. dollars. Um, we've had that going for a while, so uh, so that works quite well for us. So that's that's the best way. Yeah, just hit me up on Instagram if you want to talk to me. I love answering questions. If people have questions about nutrition, please fire them my way. I'm I'm not looking to send you an invoice. I'm looking to answer. So no, I love talking about this stuff. So.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it it definitely shows your passion for the industry and I hope that uh, we can cross paths again to get you on here. Like I said, let's pick your brain as much as we can and talk about nutrition because I love it as much as you.
2: You bet, man. That'd be awesome.
1: Cool.